Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's Upswell marketing.com. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing negotiation as a winning everyday tactic. Right, buddy. We are talking about negotiating, negotiations. I feel like, uh, like that's that's one of those words that you hear. Okay, so it makes me think of Princess Bride when he says, "You keep using that word. It does not mean what you think it means." <laughs> <laughs> and I think when people hear that word, they think of like sitting down at this conference table, uh, and there's two parties at the table, right? Like it makes me think of like a union, and then you've got like the the guy that's in there to you know, make a deal with the union, uh-huh. that kind of thing. But, and while that's true, I guess, we are talking about negotiating. We're trying to put it into a new light. Yeah, or you think about like the FBI negotiating a hostage standoff. Or something. Right, exactly, this, yeah. This high-stake thing that, that that's like highly emotional. And in reality... Well, that is true. The, but Negotiating does take place under those But there's a whole different type of negotiating. That, <laughs> right. And that's what we want to talk about today, how it can impact your everyday life, how it can save you money, how it can... Uh, perhaps allow you to make more money. We're going to talk about all of that today. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, before we get to that, Matt, let's just share a listener win because listener Kyle reached out to us and he he um, he was one of those people that, it, you know, it, when we talk about millennials spending money at coffee shops, Kyle was the patented guy they were talking about because <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, Kyle mentioned he was spending something close to $100 a month so, on getting coffee every day out at, at Starbucks. And in all fairness, his work, he said, takes him, he's on the road Monday through Friday mm-hmm. and I was also thinking, well, why doesn't his employer pay for his coffee or pay for his meals? But I don't know his situation. Yeah. I don't know what he's got going on. But either way, he was paying out of pocket. Yeah, like you said, yeah. for coffee. And this is an instance where a subscription, normally we hate subscriptions, but this is a subscription we can get behind because it's going to save you money. He's talking, he uh, basically told us about the uh, unlimited sip club yeah from panera bread uh, which yeah. basically it's it, it's something like we, we've got a gas station where we live and it called quick trip and they would i think do something similar where you get unlimited refills during the summer months for a certain amount you know for a certain dollar amount with a particular cup right, right? like right. as long as you buy the cup, buy the cup then you can show up 50 cent refills just... or 
something like that drink all the high fructose corn syrup carbonation (laughs) as you want just pass out on the floor dead from just uh oding on high fructose (laughs) well yeah kyle's using it mostly to get coffee but yeah you're right this is a situation in which he weighed the pros and cons and the subscription made the most sense because that panera bread subscription is like nine dollars a month and so well he was paying nine dollars so he started but so when you go to it now it's like 10.99 it's still only about like 10 bucks which is i mean if you're able to save close to 90 bucks a month this is i mean so this is where like budgeting and tracking your expenses is going to really come in handy because i've i feel that though like those coffee expenses could just sort of slip under the radar mm-hmm. you know like you're like i'm not spending that much but then you're like oh wait a minute i'm actually spending money on coffee every single day because i'm a human being and, and he mentioned monday through friday but man i'd be using that thing on the weekends too <laughs> like, <laughs> not just monday through friday while i'm on the road i'm gonna take advantage of that seven days a week yeah no but only i like the ingenuity right yes yeah yeah because it's one of those things where he said he's saving 85 plus dollars a month now that he's doing this subscription because if you're getting coffee every mm-hmm. day out like and you put that in your budget that's okay but if you could also find a way to save right and to to do it for like one tenth of the price a fraction yeah that's impressive it. you can kind of have your cake have your cake and eat it too yeah as long as you can get behind some you know panera coffee i don't know what, what panera bread <laughs> i don't co- either i don't know what like. level <laughs> it's at but uh kyle more power to you i saw too there's like a it's not just coffee. Like you can get fountain drinks as well. So yeah. you can also pull the quick trip move, go in there <laughs> <laughs> and tea as well. Like hot and cold teas. There you go. Are you still drinking your, uh, your iced tea at dinner? Like every Sweet meal? tea. Every, it's you, like a good Southerner. You are. Yeah. I was going to say you are such a Southerner. <laughs> Even though I'm not really a Southerner. It's, do, it's the Southern way of being. And it's, you, you do it sweet. Yeah. Okay. Some sweet tea. And not as sweet as like you might get at Cracker Barrel or something like that. But, uh, yeah, no, I like, I like sweet tea for dinner. Caffeine has no effect on you, sir. That's true. Um, all right. So our beer for this episode is a grisette by Jester King. Uh, and this one is re-fermented with cherries. I'm looking forward to enjoying this one today. We will share our thoughts at the end of the episode. Yeah, my assumption is that our thoughts are going to be positive, but, but we're going to love it. Yeah, you can wait to find out. This is Jester King. <laughs> well, Matt, let's move on. Let's talk about negotiating as, a, as an everyday tactic that people can use to win with their finances. And I don't know, it made me think uh, as we were talking about negotiation, you just mentioned how people maybe think of it wrongly. We're always thinking about it in these big grand terms when really there are a lot of small everyday ways that we can negotiate and win. Maybe think about the way you track your time. And you, you've you been pretty committed to tracking your time. And I, I have been in the past. Yeah. and I, I no longer do that. Okay. All right. Well, for a while you were, and maybe it's just because you found a good groove, right? You found yourself, mm-hmm. the way you tracked your time and then you began to implement some new habits. It was like to, a self-exploration. I was just curious to see how much time I was spending on different tasks throughout the day. So I tracked, for folks who haven't been listening more than a year. I get, this was like maybe two years ago. When we two, had Laura Vanderham on, two, right? Two to three years ago. Yeah, it was around that time. And I was literally tracking every minute of the day. Like <laughs> I, I had this app going on my phone. And I made fun of you and many I, of those minutes <laughs> out of the day based on the way you were doing it. I would it. just switch from one activity to the next. And I wasn't getting too, too detailed with it, but just general swaths of the day. I was curious what you know, what I was spending my time on yeah. in order just to, to hopefully be more efficient with my time. Yeah. And I thought you were being kind of nerdy and I maybe, yeah, it know, is. it's a nerdier uh, thing. Like that's not a normal thing that right. people do. But. I talk smack about you behind the scenes. <laughs> well, you know, and I'm just like a less regimented person and I'm more prone to do things yeah. on a whim. It's not for you. But like, there are certainly flaws with my personality tendency, right? I, I tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater when I when I should at least consider the benefits of something as simple as managing my time more effectively and trying to implement something that would help me do that. And so, I guess what something I thought was unimportant or at least uncool, <laughs> not worth my effort, <laughs> is, is maybe something. Is, it's something I've found more meaningful recently because I've been able to find a balance between tracking my time in some ways to make sure that I'm being effective. I have no desire to go to down to the minute detail or second detail of my life and, and track it that extensively. But still, I think in, in much the same way, right, when it comes to negotiation, there's a potential for meaningful value, right? That people might think it's yes. not worth their time to think about it uh, and doing it regularly, learning how to do it well. But, but like me, when it comes to time management, you might be wrong and you might find that there are... There there are ways at least that you can incorporate it into your life that will provide enough results that maybe it'll make you kind of rethink uh, the endeavor and kind of make you more interested in, in actually going down that path. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, like being able to manage your time well, like we are here to argue that negotiating is something that can benefit you regardless of what stage of life you're in, right? Like whether you, you're a student in school, whether you are a stay-at-home parent 
or even a CEO, we think that negotiating has sort of like this special universal quality to it. Uh, but one of the problems is that oftentimes folks are just too scared to negotiate. Uh, fear is certainly something that holds us back much of the time, uh, as a lot of us have been raised, I think, to ruffle as, as few feathers as possible. You know, like I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but like I believe that younger generations, ours included as millennials, uh, that were particularly prone to avoid any social discomfort that, that might come about because of conflict. It just makes me think of how we'll might send like 20 or 30 or 40 texts in order to uh, distance ourselves from a potential awkward situation, right? <laughs> when we know that if we just picked up the phone and called our parents back <laughs> or got back to our friend, it would help to clarify things. And granted, there are times, there's, there's a time and place for text messages for sure. But there's sort of this ongoing joke, I feel like, with millennials and, and Zoomers where it's like, oh, I'm not going to pick up the phone. Like, I'm not going to talk to you in person when we know that that would be a more effective way to communicate. But oftentimes I think we're doing that in order to preserve any sort of uh, to keep away any conflict, to not ruffle those feathers. And, you know, the other reality is that folks often don't know how to negotiate well. They're, they're unsure about how to do it well. Uh, and so it's not necessarily that you didn't want your time to be spent wisely, Joel. You just hadn't tried to implement maybe a system that, that helped you to do that. Yeah. Or maybe I was just thinking about it wrong. And I thought that to be more effective with my time, I had to track it in the way you were doing it, which was pretty granular. And I was like, that's that's too intense for me. Sure. But it doesn't mean that I don't want my time to be spent yeah. well and that I could find something that uh, is going to be better for sure. for that. For and, me. E- and even though like, generally like a nerdy concept, that doesn't mean that being able to manage your time more effectively, like that's going to benefit anybody and everybody. And yeah. so in the same way, we feel that way about negotiating. So we want to dispel some of these preconceived notions about what negotiation does and what it doesn't involve today. Um, We're going to offer our best advice for for how you can start implementing some beneficial tactics in your everyday life, helping you to to save more money, to make more money as well, and you know just pursue more of what it is that you value. Yeah. Let's first maybe talk a little bit about what negotiating is and isn't, because I think sometimes one of the biggest common myths is is that uh, people think a shrewd negotiator is screwing people over left and right. (laughs) And so that in order to effectively get what you want, somebody else has to get run over in the process. Uh, There's there's a fixed amount of pizza. There's a fixed amount of pie or cake. And and if I get more, then you get get less. You get less. And and therefore, maybe maybe it's not unfair or maybe I'm hurting someone in the process. That scarcity mindset. Uh, Yeah, and they think that it's maybe some sort of conflict-ridden exercise too. But again, that's a myth because the best negotiators, they actually leave the other side feeling like they got to win also. So yeah, if you're negotiating uh, and you're leaving a bad taste in someone's mouth because your tactics are too ruthless, they're not likely to want much to do with you in the future, meaning that you lost. <laughs> also, that's not the route you want to take. Yeah, you've, you've lost the overall war, yes. right? Like you may have won that, that one particular battle, that skirmish, but not the overall war. Right, yeah, it makes me think of, I don't know, one of the most common things I think about as a baseball fan when it comes to negotiating is the trade deadline passed just a few weeks ago. Oh, did it? It did. (laughs) (laughs) And there are all these trades flying around, especially the last couple of days. Okay. It's like trading a couple prospects for a major league player, or every once in a while you get one of those major league players for major league player deals. Sometimes there's cash thrown in and Mm. stuff into these deals as well. (laughs) But let's say a baseball GM, he pulls the wool over another GM's eyes. And, and that's harder to do because they typically have the same information at their disposal. But let's say you did. You just, he fully took advantage of somebody that worked for another club. Well, that's going to prevent future opportunities to make good trades, right? And th- that could ultimately hamstring his efforts in the long run. And so, yeah, th- this, this typically, by the way, negotiation, it's not typically a one-time thing. You don't want to sour a relationship by taking advantage of the other party. That's an important part to mention here because that sort of mentality, thinking of negotiation as this one-off chance to try to like destroy somebody else is the, the exact opposite of, of what you're trying to accomplish. Totally. Uh, it's worth mentioning as well that negotiating, it's considered normal in other cultures and in other countries because oftentimes in our culture we're used to more of a fixed price sort of market here typically you you can't really negotiate the price of a a box of cheerios or a gallon of milk at walmart uh, or at your local aldi or costco Uh, we just generally do a lot less haggling than a lot of cultures whereas in in countries like in the middle east and in turkey egypt over in china down in central america haggling it's the normal way of doing business it makes me think back to when i was in high school and i was in guatemala city or i was 
outside of Guatemala City, there is a market and we were encouraged like as high schoolers are like, hey, well, they're going to say a price. And they were basically the folks who were with us were teaching us how to haggle because they know as uh, American teenagers that we had zero experience <laughs> doing that, basically. Yep. And so it was a lot of fun figuring out how to <laughs> uh, negotiate down the price of the machete that I was uh, <laughs> trying to buy, which, yeah, that's right. As a high schooler, I bought a machete Were you able to bring in that back Guatemala City. And yes, this was obviously pre-9-11. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> For all the Zoomers out there, you used to be able to travel with machetes <laughs> on the airplane. I hadn't really thought about the fact that, yeah, like somehow I came back and I remember I had that at home. Yeah. It's like this, uh, yeah, Guatemalan machete. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, you should whip that out and, you know. I don't think I have it Get anymore. your weeds under control yeah. in the front lawn. Well, yeah, I, it makes me think of when I visited China back in 2009 and I did not buy a machete, but I bought like a pair of shorts. I had left my swim trunks at home. I totally forgot okay. to bring any. And so I needed Much more a pair acceptable of shorts. to buy a pair of shorts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I could actually bring those home on the plane at that point. Two foot long blade. <laughs> but I, I distinctly just remember haggling with this, with this, with this lady in a market over these shorts and I just thought it was a blast. I thought it was fun yeah. <laughs> to kind of this go this back and forth, and even just like the reactions, right? The facial reactions from mm-hmm. the person who's doing this, like how they they it's seem a, like it's like a dance. Oh yeah, almost. exactly. Yeah. It's exactly like a dance. They they kind of like f- fake being insulted or something like that, <laughs> and then they come back at you. And I just remember just how fun that game was. And I think I think Matt, you're right. Like if you can think of negotiation more as a game instead of like this butting of heads, you'll be far more likely to engage in it, even if it's like not seen as terribly normal here in the United States, we can take kind of a, a lesson from some of these other cultures, how how they do it, how they uh, perform this negotiation dance. And I think we can kind of think of it similarly. Sure. But just because you, we think about it that way doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else will think of it that way, right? And so uh, in that way, though, I think we should probably think less about what other people think. Like Warren Buffett talks about the inner scorecard versus the external scorecard and how we oftentimes, we probably need to be spending more time on the inner scorecard yeah. and what matters to us as opposed to what everybody what everybody else thinks. And so bottom line, we, we think that there's more room to negotiate on the daily than you think. Uh, Joel, you read this book, uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And you're like, hey, we got to talk about negotiating. Yeah, I thought and, he had some uh, good tips. And I was yeah. like, but, but there's a way for us to apply this specifically to kind of personal finance. To money. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what we're doing today. We're going to discuss some of these ways to negotiate better. Uh, and we'll also provide some examples so that you can have an idea of how and when to apply these techniques for for maximum effectiveness. And, uh, you know, one of the first things that we would encourage uh, for you to do is to identify the pain point of whoever it is that you're negotiating with, because you you know what it is that you want, right? <laughs> it's the reason that, that you're having a conversation uh, to begin with. And you also already know what it is that the other person wants, because either they've listed that item for sale or they've called you into their office and they're talking about a raise. But now it's, it's going to be important for you to try and identify why it is they want what they want. And so, for, for instance, it makes me think if you've been buying a TV on Facebook Marketplace, right? Some of those pain points are easily decipherable from just like looking at the listing real quick, right? Like one of those is just how long it's been listed because uh, most folks, they're going to get tired of, of fielding the, uh, is this is this item still available? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Questions after a while. If I fielded 10 of those with no follow-throughs, uh, if someone actually is serious about following through, you're like, I'm how, already. How can I sell this to you as quickly as possible? I'm in prime negotiating territory. Like you can kind of come at me with some, some decent offers and I'll consider it. Exactly. Yeah. So you're going to have more room to negotiate if that TV has been listed for a couple of weeks rather than if it's just been there for a couple of days. Um, also, like like TVs, they're, they're kind of big, you know? And so there's a good chance that they might just want it out of the garage or just out of the uh, the laundry room, wherever they have it. So your ability to get a, a better price might be a direct reflection of your ability to pay cash and to pick it up today, figure out what it is that they're wanting the most other than, in this case, money, and find a way to meet them at that need. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and sometimes it is just the timing right? People want it to be simple. And if you say, listen, if you'll take this much less, I will come pick it up within the next hour. <laughs> I will I will be in my car and on my way. I will make it super simple. I will have cash in hand and that can sway somebody to accept a lower price than they would they were previously otherwise disposed to taking. And it's, it's important to know, by the way, that not everything is negotiable, right? Uh, but when you can identify the pain point, you'll find that negotiating can be a, a reality in more situations than you previously thought. It's kind of like we talked about, Matt, when we talked about negotiating uh, a rent decrease and or how a lot of people are, you know, rent, keeping your rent from 
from going up basically. Yeah, finding yeah. a way to keep it keep it steady. Well, you can negotiate, but you've got to figure out what the landlord's dilemma is. That's how Justin Pogue phrased it when we brought him on the show. And when you know what that land the landlord's pain point is, you can address it in order to secure better terms for both your landlord and yourself. You know, for a landlord, that pain point could be losing a tenant. That's been incredibly easy. So let's say you are that tenant that has been uh, you've been a, a dream to work with. Pay your rents yeah. early. Yeah, pay your rent early. Month. Not asking for silly things like a light bulb to be replaced. You're basically relieving a landlord pain point, and it's going to make it easier to negotiate. And let's say um, they might be worried about vacancy, right? So if you move out, yeah. they might be the landlord might be worried that they they're going to lose a whole month of rent. And if you know that they're worried about that, that they might not be able to get someone in time, that gives you more leverage at the negotiating table. There might be maybe, let's say, some deferred maintenance that they're going to have to take care of if you opt to move out too. All of these things could be points at which you can press to help ensure that you're able to get uh, and negotiate a lower rent amount. And so deciphering the pain point, sometimes it's intuitive, but it can also involve asking a few questions, a few pointed questions. And so we're talking about negotiating rent map, but, but using that dilemma that somebody has, you know, how can I make it easier for them? What, what is their reason for selling and, and what would make them need to sell it to me at a discount? Asking those questions is going to be a huge part of negotiating a, a better deal for yourself. Yeah. And, and, not just asking yourself those questions like right like not just you saying okay what is it that he wants or you know she has been hesitant to raise my rent over the past two years what about my you know me being a renter has allowed her to keep rent from going up it's not just you asking yourself those questions but literally asking them those questions right because if you don't have any idea what it is uh, that could allow you to further the negotiations or for further in this example keeping your rent low listen, right? And so what that means, I think, is oftentimes just asking some of these open-ended questions uh, where you can courteously put the ball in their court and allow them to potentially disclose some information that can allow you to say, well, I can do that. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you're you're looking for that? Like, I'm happy to do that. And and, what will that get me? That information that you can glean from being an active listener is going to be so important when it comes to your ability, in this case, to, to save a bunch of money. I think something, it's so similar, let's say you're buying a house. And oftentimes, it's hard to know why a buyer is, is selling and what their biggest pain point is. And especially right now, right, as the market is softening, you need to work with your realtor to ask some of these more difficult questions so that you can figure out, well, how can I get the biggest discount on this house that I, that I want um, by finding that person's pain point? And maybe it is... They need to be out. They've bought a house in another state and time is of the essence. And so if you're able to close All in right. two weeks. Let's talk about speed. Yeah. yeah. You might be able to get an extra ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 off uh, of the currently listed price, right? Or they might be willing to take less money because they are worried that if they move out of state, that that house is going to linger even longer, costing them more money in the mm-hmm. future. So these are the kind of things where knowing the pain point, asking the question, and then listening well can make a big difference in your ability to negotiate effectively. Yeah. This is an instance where having some flexibility is key because if you can alter your plans a little bit, if you can, again, meet them where they are, uh, you have an opportunity to to save a lot of money. But uh, we're going to talk about several other factors that are going to help you to become a more effective negotiator. And we will get to all of those right after this. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances so if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. 
They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Matt, we are, we're kind of talking about the, the art of negotiation on today's episode. Haggling is the maybe okay. one way you could put it in some context. But yet, when we're talking, we, I, think, I think there is a certain art to it. Because yeah. if you can... Um, play your cards right. And if you can know, ha- get more information on your side, and then if you can handle the negotiation process in a more educated manner, there's more of an opportunity for you to save more money and make more money. So yeah, I think there is an element of art yeah. when we're talking well, about negotiation. And well. it just varies from item to item or from instance to instance. Yeah. Right? Like, like there is no like 12-step program <laughs> that you can go through. It's important to kind of keep th- things you know in mind, some of these different factors. Uh, but not all of these will necessarily apply equally when it comes to the, the wheeling and dealing that you're doing. Yeah, and we're going to try to give a lot of examples throughout today's episode that will help you see like, oh, okay, here's an everyday place yeah, in which yeah. it's going to make sense for me. And, and here's maybe how I could tackle that or where, or where this piece of advice comes into play uh, more readily. Mm-hmm. But yeah, one one thing that's really important when we're talking about negotiating effectively is knowing the market. Because another step when we're talking about getting more bang for your buck, it, it involves doing your homework. And if you don't know the market, you're bound to negotiate poorly or get mm-hmm. taken advantage of. Yeah, It's, it's going to be hard to know what to ask for. So if you're looking to get some work done on your place, let's say, you know, that often involves getting multiple quotes. And yep. so that the more information you have at your disposal, which takes a little bit of time, takes a little bit of legwork to get those multiple quotes, the more informed you're going to be, the more likely you're going to be able to negotiate well and make a wise decision. For instance, Matt, like when we've talked about when it comes to getting a mortgage on the home you're buying, or let's say you're you're shopping around for a refinance shop with multiple lenders, right? Um, Because that's going to give you this apples to apples comparison. Mm -hmm. And I have negotiated with lenders before and said, wait, your origination fee is 1900, but I've got this other, uh, this other lender. And they said that the origination fee is, is 
seven seventy five. They're char- they're charging five fifty, baby. Yeah, right? Yeah. Can oh, you? That was my Costco refi last year. See, not too shabby. <laughs> um, but when you see the, the when it's written out in paper, you have these quotes in front of you. Then you can kind of hit these providers against each other, and you can ask them to match somebody else's rate. But if you don't have that information on hand, it's harder to know what other people are offering. It's harder to even know yeah. what to ask for. You're just kind of shooting blindly in the dark, asking for a discount. Um, but if you have information on your side, it makes it a whole lot easier to confidently ask for a better rate or better terms. Totally. Yeah. Negotiating your internet bill, right? Like that's something we've encouraged for years now on how to money. Uh, And it's not as difficult as it seems. But before you hop on the phone, it's going to be incredibly helpful for you to know the popular rates that the biggest providers are offering in your area. And so a quick search, you know, of their website will arm you with just helpful information, basically like the only information that you need if you're trying to lower your internet, uh, the, the price that you're paying. Their, their TV ads will often tout special offers for new customers. And of course, you want the best rate out there, but knowing what those best rates are, you know, knowing the market, that's going to give you the information to make the right ask. Yeah, instead of saying, I just want 20 bucks off every single month moving forward, you can say, actually, here's an offer that I saw that you you have on your website. And this is for new customers, but I've been a loyal customer for three plus years or something like that. And uh, you know, I would prefer not to go over to this other company that has a better rate than what I'm paying now. But I'm a Can pretty you match f- it? I'm a frugal guy. <laughs> right. And I'll do it. Yeah. And you're like, but I would prefer <laughs> to stay low. I mean, there's a way to, to, to go about this. But so much of it involves having the right information, knowing mm-hmm. what's going on in the market. Totally. And, and timing is part of that too, Matt, because there's a reason that people are more apt, let's say, to get a deal on a new car at the end of the month. Not that we encourage buying new cars, but uh, because of the <laughs> reality of quotas in that industry, there's just a, a higher necessity for that salesperson to make a sale if it's September 30th and if it's September 1st, mm-hmm. right? And so just because of the timing, the market conditions are more ripe for you to mm-hmm. be able to get a better deal. You're starting out in a better position. But knowing that, knowing that that's how the market works when you're buying a new car uh, can help you use that to your advantage. Whereas if you don't realize that, if that's not something that's on your radar, you're you're liable to find yourself negotiating at the wrong time, putting yourself at a bigger disadvantage. Yeah. And basically what we're talking about here is we are encouraging folks to put in the legwork. And this is something that we are prone to avoid extra work. (laughs) We want things to be easy and handed to us, which is why companies who are really good at providing a service or providing a product on a silver platter oftentimes will get folks business because folks don't want to go through all of that, the due diligence, essentially, when it comes to shopping around. Well, the easier we make it for ourselves, the less likely we are to be able to get get a deal, right? To save money or to make more. And so you can take the easy path, but the easy path isn't typically going to work out best for your bottom line. Yeah. And so as we're talking about negotiating, you know, there are a number of more like more subtle factors that are important to, to keep in mind as well. In particular, if you are talking to somebody in person, right? Like if you are talking with a contractor about, hey, let's let's talk about the cost of this roof, uh, or you're looking at gutters or something like that. Um, and one of the things you need to keep in mind is your tone, right? And so like if you're coming in with guns blazing, like that's typically going to be like the opposite <laughs> of how it is that you're going to want to approach a negotiation. Yeah, you could, yeah, you don't want to necessarily start by being like, but your work isn't very good. <laughs> and so I should get a discount because you're not talented. Or just like immediately cutting straight to the price and just being confrontational yeah. about how you're talking about the work that they're doing and what they're charging. Uh, if you if you read the book, Never Split the Difference, the, uh, the author, Chris, he talks about using like this uh, FM DJ voice that inflects downward, <laughs> kind of like a, a soothing yet in control voice. <laughs> uh, and it's probably, it's going to be less necessary, you know, in like the smaller sorts of negotiating that we're talking about. But but how you come across is going to impact your ability to negotiate effectively. You know, you, you'll likely want to use a, a different tone depending on who you are negotiating with. But being in control of your emotions and using the right tone is going to be crucial. It, it makes me think about if you are like budgeting with a significant other or your partner. If you're coming in hot and you immediately, you know, are like attacking them because maybe they overspent that month or maybe you are not on the same page about where they are spending their money. Well, how do you think they're going to respond? <laughs> you know, like do a little bit of role playing here. Imagine that scenario where just like you, you spent how much on on what? And you might be able to efficiently communicate how it is that you feel. But this is one of those areas where efficiency is not the name of the game. It's, you know, it's about getting that person on board. You want to be able to sync up with that person before 
finding ways that you can both together identify what your financial goals are. Sort of like you're saying earlier, Jill, like this, that would be maybe be an instance of winning a particular battle, but losing the overall war. Yep. Because as someone who is right now listening to How to Money, that means you are most likely the financial nerd in, in whatever relationship you might be in. And so that means you might have a reluctant spouse or partner. <laughs> and what that means is that you need to be patient and understanding and uh, just, I don't know, kind, basically. <laughs> and, and a lot of being kind is how it is that you're talking to somebody. Well, let's say some new information came to light and you realize that, wait, I'm getting paid 15% less than I than I think I should get paid. Or I now know a coworker gets paid more than me and they've got less experience. Mm. And so you might feel jilted. And so in that conversation, your tone might reflect the fact that you feel like you're getting screwed. And guess what? That is not the best way to negotiate. That might make you feel the most catharsis <laughs> by telling your employer that they have that they've hurt you and that you you deserve to get paid more. Then that might be in reality that might be true. But that is typically also the least effective way to negotiate by by letting your tone shift and kind of letting right. letting that the, the way you've been you, you felt hurt kind of dictate the conversation. You I mean, you want to be truthful. You want to use those facts. And so it's not that you want to withhold information. I guess that's up to you on, on how important and how uh, revealing you want to be with the, with the cards that you have. But you still want to approach a conversation like that with with a proper tone and not just your tone as well. But like even it makes me think of like uh, like your body language and like like the different nonverbals that you're communicating as well, because you might be saying one thing to your boss. But if your face says something else, it doesn't matter what you're saying. Yeah. They see you grimacing. <laughs> and yeah. so you have to find a way to align the nonverbals with what it is that you're saying. Man, it makes me think of there was something where, that came to light where you and I had to negotiate something on behalf of our company. And we could have used some information that came to light to our advantage. But we realized that that wasn't the best negotiating tactic, that it would have made us seem like we were hurt by something that hadn't worked out in our favor. And so there was a better way to approach it even if those facts on the ground were true and we needed to have that conversation, right? Mm. Um, yep. But it makes me think about emotions, right? And how you know, one of the ways that you keep your tone aligned is by controlling your emotions. Sure. Yeah. And if we leave our emotions unchecked, it's going to hurt our ability to negotiate. So um, getting angry, irritated, or or even allowing our anxiety to kind of take over and allow fear to kind of um, run amok can impact our ability to have that productive conversation. And I think it's okay to maybe be somewhat annoyed even, let's say, when you're negotiating because we are human, of course. But the crucial part, uh, the crucial thing is to make sure that we're not wearing those emotions on our sleeve. So we've got to be able to find a way to prevent it from impacting our our style, our tone, and our argument, even if you know we're not excited about how the conversation is currently going, there's a way in which we can keep those emotions in check, which allows for us to be able to work together with someone to achieve our goal, even if the experience is kind of a frustrating one. Makes me think, Matt, about a recent uh, negotiation I've had to have with uh, a company that I bought a grill from uh, just at the very tail end of last year. And I have a year-long manufacturer's warranty. But this grill, sadly, is having severe issues in many different ways. Yeah. And so this grill company keeps wanting to send me little parts here and there to fix the problem. But the, there are just too many issues going on with the grill that a couple of parts, they're not going to fix it, right? Is it a lemon? Uh, I think it's a lemon. They just need to send you a new grill? Exactly. And okay. so that's what I'm pressing for. But I could easily allow my annoyance at how long it's taking or their inability to resolve things. I could let that, um, I could let that frustration take over me and it would really shut things down. But I'm finding a way to keep my tone upbeat and to keep my emotions at bay so that I can continue to have a productive conversation with the person who's ultimately, I think, going to be able to resolve this uh, this problem in my favor. Unless the time comes when you realize that it's time to, to go nuclear. <laughs> right. To start shouting on the phone, perhaps. Yes. I mean, I, I, I guess like it's important to keep your emotions in check, but at times it's important to kind of deploy your emotions if you do feel that the time is right. Yeah, well, um, most of the time. Yelling, yeah, yeah, most anger, of the time. <laughs> it's not going to work out. And usually it shuts things down. And that person exactly. has far less of a desire to help you if you're being out of control, if you're being a baby, it, and if your truly anger has gotten the best of the you. last resort. Yes. Um, and even still, you still want to treat... It's okay to be emotional and to share how it is you feel about something, but you still need to treat the other person with respect. Uh, another component as well is that you need to be willing to walk. Because if you just got to have the item that you are negotiating for, I think your negotiation skills are going to suffer. You know, like that's another example of letting emotions run the show. And that's going to lead to poorer results. 
having a, a plan B, that is going to give you more of an ability to walk away if you aren't able to get the terms or to get the price that you're looking for. Uh, because if you're un- unwilling to walk away, then there's <laughs> almost no chance that you're going to be able to do the work that it takes to get that item on better terms. This is an instance where caring less is is essentially going to be a winning strategy. It's not always easy, but we, we think it is necessary. Uh, and again, this is when like you can make a confident decision and walk away when you've done your homework, when yeah. you have, have participated in some market research and you know what's out there. Because it's difficult to say, well, well, I'm going, that's it. I'm, I'm out of here because, well, that might be the, the only one, right? Like if we're talking about homes, for instance, if there are no other homes in this particular neighborhood that you're, you're looking to move into, well, you probably need to be a little bit more careful with how you negotiate. But if there are like six or seven homes in this neighborhood, well, it's, it's going to be a different story and you can more easily, I think, walk away. And so having done that research, that's really important. Although I will say in this particular example, walking away from a home is probably going to be one of the more difficult things, right? Because at, just the way we process things, how we view houses or apartments or wherever you're looking to, to potentially buy, like we see, we see our homes as almost like an extension of ourselves, right? And so it's difficult to be like, okay, does this place provide me shelter? Uh, is this a place where I can sleep at night? Like that's not how we view homes, right? Even though we would probably try to encourage folks to think about their homes more in that way. Yep, agreed. Because you almost have to in order to be a good negotiator. And and you're right. You might really like a place, but if you fall in love before you've actually been able to negotiate effectively, you're probably going to find yourself getting bent over a barrel and paying more than you like or not getting the terms that you like. To be a good negotiator really does involve removing some of those emotions whenever possible mm-hmm. and being willing to walk away as part of that yeah uh, and so yeah another another tip Matt we would say for being able to negotiate effectively is building rapport and that's important because you're, you're more likely to do better for yourself when the person you're negotiating with knows you or believes that your intentions are good and and that doesn't mean that you've got to try and become besties <laughs> with everyone that you're trying to haggle with but finding some common ground can be a great way to to help that person feel more comfortable giving you a discount or just more favorable terms and so you can use this tactic in so many potential negotiation areas even if you're just on the phone with the internet company like you mentioned matt or if you're dming with a company on twitter the more you can help them see you as an individual with some sort of similarity to them it often helps the process and so that that can mean getting and using the name of the person that you're talking to making them feel connected to you by using their actual name if Cindy picks up the phone and you're like, hey, Cindy, how's your day going? That's a great way to show that you care. Sure. And it goes a long way that you're, you're using their name and, and like asking how their day is going. That's another thing. Um, it can create a common spark of humanity that makes them more likely to do something to help you. Caring just a little bit can go a long way. I think most of the times we don't want to. Like we're speaking to literally a 1-800 number person. Yeah, you and just want to get it done. You just want to get it done. Mm-hmm. But if we just want to get it done, we're probably not going to get the best result. Yeah, we're, we're less likely to, we believe. Uh, and sometimes it can just be as simple as identifying like where they live, you know, like where they're located like geographically. Uh, if they are your neighbor, well, like that can initiate like one kind of discussion that finds a, you know, a significant amount of common ground if it's if you've listed something on Facebook and they, they come over to your place or vice versa. But even if they don't live in your community, I think there are often ways to build rapport via like a, a location specific discussion. But the truth is that you won't always have common ground with everyone that, that you're trying to negotiate with, especially if we're talking about, you know, a phone conversation with uh, a utility company. Um, but, but you can help that person to feel understood, which creates trust. And so what is it that they need to feel like they've done, a, done their job well? Uh, because knowing what success looks like for them can help you to, to kind of usher in that, that win-win scenario like we talked about early on. Yeah, I'd like uh, do they have one of those surveys that takes place at the end of the call and they're like, you can be like, hey, I'm not sure if you're doing a survey, but I would love to give you high remarks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for, you're doing a fantastic job. Exactly. Right. Those little things, man. Can <laughs> Are you doing a fantastic way. job for me? <laughs> like, Okay, so it makes me think of too, like I keep thinking about Facebook because I've been listening so much stuff on Facebook, but I listed a TV, an old TV that we had, but it was a nice TV. It was a Samsung and guy was interested. He came over, he was checking it out and he starts the, ne- the negotiating process on me. And <laughs> he's just like, all right, you know, how much, how much would you, would you be willing to take, you know, this much off? And he's there in person. He's nobody else has shown up to look at it. Like this guy is here. And so he's like, okay, I know this guy wants to get rid of this thing. He started having his TV in his garage. His wife wants it gone. That's me. <laughs> but I thought, man, like I 
I think that that TV is priced fairly. This is me thinking, you know, in my in my own head. And so what I highlighted, I was, I was just like, ah, I'm not sure. This is this is a Samsung. Like th- this is one of the best TVs out there. Like the picture quality on this thing, it's you know, it's a lot better than a lot of the other TVs out there. And he immediately joins in basically it's like oh i totally agree like the tv i've got right now it's garbage (laughs) and he basically he begins to talk himself into paying full price for my tv because what we've identified our common ground is that samsung makes quality televisions and (laughs) by the end of it he was very he's like you know what okay let's just go ahead and do this and he paid my asking price he was happy i was happy and we were able to to, to make that deal happen and that common ground was that him and i we both believe that samsung makes a superior television there you go well i'm i'm actually i'm not shilling for samsung either by the way (laughs) because we've actually talked about that before actually how the failure rate on those televisions uh, on just regardless of brand it's pretty minimal so Matt even though I'm going to disagree with you on that um, uh, we can still agree to disagree crystal clear baby that was still a good point though we've got just a few more thoughts when it comes to negotiation and and Matt we we should cover even maybe some more ways that people can implement negotiation Mm -hmm. as a tactic into their everyday life so that it feels uh, less daunting and hopefully they can get more from it we'll talk uh, more about that right after this Cachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Cachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances so if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. 
and you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, so maybe during that commercial break, you're thinking about some of the different companies, some of the different instances where you could do some negotiating. Oh, I wonder uh, if I can get Mint Mobile down to $10 a month. <laughs> Make it seven fifty. <laughs> just cut it in half. So one of the other tips, one of the other things we want you to keep in mind is to know who it is that you are going to be able to negotiate with. Because negotiating with the wrong person is a real mistake that, that folks make. Um, and I know this should kind of really be like a no-duh kind of point, uh, but it's not as intuitive as you might think. Uh, and if you're talking to someone who has no authority over the terms or over the price, um, if they don't have the ability to make any concessions, then you're just wasting your time. Uh, so kind of going back to the internet example, if you're talking to the wrong department, you're going to be spinning your wheels. And so it's important to, to ask some of these pointed questions to find out who you need to talk to so that you aren't wasting your time and your energy uh, or getting just shut down just because you haven't found the proper decision maker. That's right. Yeah. So we've always said that social media in general and Twitter specifically are, are kind of the best avenues for negotiating an internet bill that's too high. If you prefer to talk on the phone, that's fine. Um, you want to make sure that you get through to the customer retention department. Those are the people with real clout who can negotiate with you to help you get a better deal. If you're talking to someone, let's say, in another department, or you're just taking the wrong path, there's an awfully good chance that you're going to end up getting stymied, and you're not going to get a better deal. They're going to say it's not available because they don't have the power. You haven't reached the right person. They don't have the authority to basically say, yes, you know what? You saw this deal elsewhere. We can match that. We'll give it to you for 12 months. Who you talk to makes all the difference in your ability to negotiate. If you're talking to someone that doesn't have the power, you're almost never going to have an effective end result that, that works for you. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, the question is who should make the first offer? Uh, because it's going to depend. Uh, in, in many cases, you're going to want the other party to throw out the first number. This is like I'm, I'm specifically thinking about when you're asking for a raise because you don't want to limit the potential upside by starting off with a, a pay suggestion that's going to come in way too way too low, that's, that's going to be way too weak. That's when a, a potential employer often, they ask the tricky question of like, well, what'd you get paid at your last job? And you're going to want to be really careful <laughs> with how you answer that mm -hmm. in all likelihood, avoiding a specific number uh, or maybe even avoiding a range, like finding a way to answer that diplomatically so you're not giving away too much information. Sure. And luckily more employers are offering ranges of pay rather than just uh, a particular salary or just not disclosing salary at all. Uh, but when you're buying a physical item, you know, whether it's it's new or used, uh, the starting price has almost always been given, but so much depends on the, the specific context and whether or not you have the data. Again, so much of this comes back to you having done your homework, you having done the research. But if you have the data to back you up, uh, then you can oftentimes make a pretty confident offer on an item. And an another important question to ask yourself is, what state is the item in? Because it's often easier to negotiate the price of a clearance model or a scratch and dent appliance, let's say, than it would be on an item that is in high demand, right? That everybody wants. Um, it's it's easier. Everybody wants it to be packaged and perfect and on that silver platter. Yeah, again. yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of items where if, if it is in high demand, let's say Beanie Babies back in the day, it's going to sell out in like <laughs> in like 24 hours regardless. Like you're not going to get a discount on that. But if it lingers on the shelf longer, there's more of a chance there's more, that there's going to be wiggle room for you to get a better price. It also makes me think about like um, negotiating at a place like a pawn shop. That's, that's more expected, right? Or the seller on Craigslist. Like the medium is often uh, helps determine whether or not you're going to be able to negotiate effectively. It's easier to negotiate in those places than it is, let's say, at your local grocery store on a pint of ice cream. But that also doesn't mean that it's not possible in some of those contexts. And so some ways that you can negotiate, even in a situation where it doesn't seem normal, is to, I don't know, like ask for a bulk discount. Could you get 10% off, let's say, if you purchased a case 
Or one thing I've been able to use um, over the years, Matt, at different times is to check the expiration date. And if that item is about to expire, uh, the store is often going to prefer to sell it to you for less than to throw it away. We've talked about buying tulips for my wife. And I realized that if I go in on Wednesdays, well, typically they're going to expire on Thursday or something like that. You got that thing like 90% off. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You get a big discount or let's say that the steaks in the meat, meat department are expiring tomorrow. You can go up to the meat manager and say, Hey, listen, can I get, can I get 30% off these steaks? Or you can find a way (laughs) to ask the question to get a cheaper price. Hey, are you just going to throw these away otherwise? Because how can I get them for a better price? You're like, Hey, I know you're about to put the red steaks out how much you gonna sell me these these gray steaks for or these steaks that kind of look like a rainbow right (laughs) you don't want rainbow steaks man for any price honestly that's the me you definitely want to avoid i mean so basically what we're saying here is that it doesn't hurt to ask right and so whether that's just ask like straight up just asking for a discount code uh or just asking if there's a sale coming soon like sometimes you're going to be able to get that better price now even if it's not a currently advertised lower price, kind of going back to what you're saying, you're talking about a like busted up packaging. Well, major retailers like Home Depot, Target, Best Buy, like they will give you a serious discount much of the time, just if you ask. Uh, open box items are already cheaper, but you can often score additional dollars off just by asking. Some of these retailers will match the price and take up to like an additional 10% off. Yeah, sometimes just knowing. Just because you're willing. Their policy or their tendency can give you a big leg up because you're like, well, I've heard that you do this. Is that true? Um, or I've seen on your website that, that you'll price match and give an additional discount. Will you do that in this case? Because here's because here's the math, like, and here's, or here's, here's the price at, at, at your competitor. Can you match and then beat it for me? And that sometimes you don't even have to necessarily negotiate. You just have to know what the policy is so that you can use it to your advantage. And Matt, I think one thing that maybe keeps people from often from negotiating at all, uh, much less negotiating effectively is the fear of rejection that keeps them from even trying. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I think one helpful way maybe to get over some of that fear when it comes to negotiating is to consider the worst case scenario. If you don't get the terms you really want, is it really that bad? Like what, what are the downside potentials? Because the reality is that it's often not as bad as you think it is. And when we've got those secondary and tertiary plans figured out ahead of time when we have a plan b c and d mm-hmm. we don't feel the pressure to take a losing deal to nearly the same degree in negotiation it's not something we do every day and so but it's our goal to see people use it more frequently we think it's kind of like a muscle that you gotta that you gotta flex and the more you flex that muscle the better you're going to get at it the more comfortable you're going to get doing it and making it uh, something that you kind of incorporate more frequently into yeah, your shopping trips and into your conversations with your boss, all right. that kind of stuff. Yeah, as you get more comfortable, you're going to find a, a slew of ways to negotiate as you go through everyday life. Um, and the other side might not even, you know, whoever it is that you're negotiating with, they may not realize that that is what you are actually doing, right? Because unlike popular sentiment, negotiation doesn't have to be this adversarial process with this uh, scarcity mindset. It also doesn't have to be this formal thing where you sit down at the negotiating table and ultimately becoming a smart negotiator is going to pay dividends in many facets of your life for years to come. You know, like we truly do believe that flexing that negotiating muscle, that it is good for all of us, just like time management, taking it back to the beginning. If you are good at that, that is going to serve you for the rest of your, of your life. And in the same way, we think that negotiating will be able to serve you well. Yeah, man, negotiating is is a winning strategy, and I think it's a lot of fun too. Again, if we see it like a game, it can and it can make it easier to implement because it's like, oh yeah, let me try this thing out, let me see how it goes, and you can kind of like yeah, test and see how some of these tactics work. And I'd be curious to know, Matt, if any how to money listeners maybe kind of uh, start to use this a little more readily and how it pays off for you. Uh, shoot us an email, let oh, us know okay. how it goes. Yeah, if you get a win under your belt, let us know. We want to hear about it so we can share with listeners. Joel, let's take it back to the beer. You and I enjoyed a grisette by Jester King. Uh, And this one is re-fermented with cherries. What were your thoughts on this one, buddy? Well, first, this is a beer style that sadly almost nobody makes. And every time I've had a grisette, I can only think of like three or four I've had in my life. They've all been epically good. Mm. It's just a rarity. Like almost nobody makes them. And yeah, so it's a typically a Belgian style farmhouse or, or saison. Yeah, it's um, like w- heavy on the wheat factor, but also there's usually like a funkiness and definitely a funkiness going yeah, on. Yeah, and this one is is funky, but it's all I've never had a grisette actually with fruit in it before. So this one had cherries in it, which is one of my favorite fruits to put in beer. And it's by Jester King, which is one of the best breweries in our country in all likelihood. And and so I thought this one was great, man. I really enjoyed it. It was it 
it was light uh, but had that weedy element had that cherry vibe going in a little bit tart I thought it was delicious it's one of the better beers I've had from Jester King yeah what's great about a beer like this is I mean so basically it's a sour I think that's the, maybe the best way to think about it um, but with a beer like this you get a lot of complexity and so if you are someone who enjoys maybe some of those barrel aged stouts because you like all the different flavors that that you can taste within that beer but it's not the middle of winter and you want to switch it up and go with something a little bit lighter this is definitely a style beer that i would recommend because there are just so many nuances that go into making something like this Uh, again pretty much everything by jester king is fantastic it's nuanced in the way that negotiation is nuanced right (laughs) that's right i'm going to read this here on their label it says we brew what we like drink what we want and offer the rest to those who share our tastes that's pretty bold, but if you're making beer as good as they are, I guess that's something you can get away with on uh, right down on your label. So. <laughs> that's right. You can afford to be cocky, I guess, <laughs> when you make beer as good as Jester King does. But don't be cocky when it comes to how it is you negotiate and treat other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Joel, that's going to do it for this episode. Listeners can find our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com. We'll see you back here on Friday with our Friday flight, and we're going to break down some of the news that you've been hearing about this week. So until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening.